Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I am your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Joined by my co-host, Derek. You can find him on Twitter at D underscore Cook93. Coming back at you with another episode of some college football news, bowl game recaps, and a look ahead to the biggest game of the season, the national championship between the Michigan Wolverines and Washington Huskies. So we'll get right into it. First bowl game we have here tonight is Wisconsin and LSU. Now, I know last week when we were talking about this, I thought LSU was going to take them out to the woodshed out back and just beat them. Old Yeller. Yeah. Didn't happen whatsoever. They won 35-31. Wisconsin jumped on them early. It was not looking too good for the Tigers, but they rallied, came back and won. Of course, no Jaden Daniels, as expected. Garrett Nussmeyer stepped in with almost 400 yards and three passing touchdowns. So he did a damn good job filling those shoes a little bit. The leak neighbors, very, very quiet. Three for 23. He just could not get going. But Brian Thomas, the other wide receiver for LSU, had 98 yards and two touchdowns. So he showed up and balled out. Overall, a decent game for LSU. Just a little look ahead for them. Garrett Nussmeyer should be the starter next year, as well as the running backs. Josh Williams got some run, the leading ball carrier, and Caleb Jackson, the true freshman. Uh, Mason Taylor went seven for 88, so he had a good ball game as well. In Wisconsin, there is absolutely not a single person to talk about on that side for Debbie. Just Wisconsin. They showed up, and they played a damn good game, man. Surprisingly, I mean, I, I think the, the elephant in the room on this is Tanner Mordecai. I mean, he went out there and had, you know, 300 and almost 380 yards, no interceptions and three touchdown passes as well. I've talked plenty of crap about him pretty much all season. I'm not a fan of him and I don't he's, you know, Debbie wise is nobody, but he had a game. Um, Really, yeah, the only reason this Wisconsin team. Go ahead. I was going to say, the only reason this Wisconsin team was even in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the ground game was so-so. Jackson, Aker, Acker had 14 totes for 86. But other than that, that he was the whole show on the ground, really. And Tanner Mordecai, like you said, showed up and played. He actually had a third of his passing touchdowns for the entire season today. Isn't that crazy? He yeah, it's not a good thing. It's a second multi-touchdown game of the year, mm. which is just phenomenal. That's what you want out of Wisconsin quarterback. Yeah, that's that's pretty much par for the course. And uh, like you said, running back for Wisconsin only had 14 carries. I mean, that's different, too. We're, we're used to these Wisconsin running backs getting, you know, 25, 30 totes a game. Uh, maybe, a, I don't know. Change a scheme coming up next year. I hope we'll see. Um, maybe a little bit. I th- maybe. I think the um, again the elephant in the room on the LSU side. Our boy Harold Perkins had a rushing touchdown. He did, and he also had uh, some kind of cryptic tweet earlier this week. I believe they fired their DC, if I'm not mistaken, or he left and took another job. But he had a cryptic tweet that a lot of people were buzzing that he may leave. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's got one year left. He's more than likely going to be a first-round pick, top 15, possibly top 10. I personally have him as the number one linebacker in his class on my board. I think he's going to be an absolute monster in the NFL. So he's got no reason to go anywhere at this point. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, unless he's you know hunting to go get a national championship, which is the only way I see him leaving, I don't think it makes sense to leave. No sense into it. But, yeah, LSU, I mean, this was a lot closer game I thought it was going to be. I thought that LSU was going to old yeller them, take them out the field and do what they do. Um, But it was a good game to watch, actually, surprisingly. We'll move on to another Big Ten SEC battle, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Tennessee Volunteers. Iowa got goose-egged 35-0, as you would expect from an Iowa offense against an SEC defense. But the whole story and the whole damn show here is true freshman quarterback Nico Amalabaliva getting his first career start, and, man, did he impress me. He looked absolutely calm, cool, collected, very comfortable back there. He didn't look like a true freshman making his first start, to say the least. 
through the air, they kind of babied him, I would say, especially in that offense. He only threw it 19 times for 151 and one touchdown. But he showed off his mobility and his athleticism with three rushing touchdowns on the day. He had himself a ball game. Like I said, I was very impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the only knock on him I can say is he had a lost fumble. You know, and for a true freshman quarterback to go out there and have a day like he did while also having six sacks, I mean, I got to tip my cap to him, man. Um, or getting sacked six times, you know what I'm, what I'm saying. But uh, Nico looked good. I was surprised with his running ability to a degree. Um, I think that they're building something special down there in Tennessee. And Nico, we'll talk about him later, I'm sure, on the show, but I'm, I'm pretty high on the kid. I love the last name, Lama Lama Leva. At least what we call him, anyways. That's I love the last name because I we can say whatever we want about his last name. It's it's going to be a, a recurring theme, just like a Denny Mitchell, however you Ad Mitchell, however you say his first name. It's going to be the same thing for Nico. Never going to get it right. Never. No. The rushing attack was very good. They had 232 rushing yards on the day as a collective. Uh, Dylan Sampson had 20 totes for 133. He's expected to be the lead back heading into next season. And then another freshman I am irrationally high on, Cameron Selden, had 13 carries for only 55 yards, but he still got the ball 13 times. Very, very happy to see him heavily involved. He should be a very key part of that offense last year, or sorry, next year. We did see it in the spring game this past season. He was involved catching and running the ball, especially when Nico was in the game. So they might have one hell of a trio back there in the backfield for next season. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, there's not much more to expand on this Tennessee team, but I, I agree with you. You know, between that three-headed monster in the backfield next year, I think that they've got a lot a lot going for Tennessee. Uh, I also will say I think we nailed this game on the head. Um, Iowa got boat raced. You know, I, Iowa's dead dog water. It beat 35-0. to zero. Yeah, 35? Just, yeah. Yeah, 35. Not, not good. Way to represent for the Big Ten, guys. They at least the the guy the the best team in the Big Ten is is making do right now, so we'll be all right. You're not wrong about that. We'll move on to Liberty and Oregon. Cool. I was dead wrong on this one. I thought Liberty was going to go out there and compete and win. It looked good for the first offensive possession for Liberty, and after that, it was absolutely nothing. Blowout, typical Oregon game. Although I was. Wasn't expecting Bo Nix, Bucky Irving to go out there and put on the show they did and play as much as they did, if at all. They were missing Troy Franklin, but that didn't matter one bit. Bo Nix, five touchdowns through the air, 363. And Bucky Irving, 117 and a touchdown on the ground. So that's, that's what they've given us all season. High scoring, great stats. They end the season on a very high note and send Bo Nix off. To finally go get his first job. No, I mean, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I didn't expect. I mean, I, I thought Bo Nix and Buck Irvin might play, you know, the first quarter, and that was about it. You know, I, I didn't anticipate them playing as much as they did. And Oregon, like you said, what they've done all season, absolutely put the paddle to Liberty. I mean, they really not much to talk about. They just whipped their butt. It was plain old butt beating. Yeah, dominated early. Like I said, that first possession for Liberty looked extremely good on offense. They didn't struggle much. But after that, they they had the clamps put on them. Second quarter on was all Oregon the whole entire way. It's like Oregon adjusted and then Liberty was dead in the water. Pretty much. Great job by Dan Lanning to adjust on the fly, not wait till halftime, and they figured it out. And Tez Johnson... Leading wide receiver for Oregon, 11 for 172 and a touchdown. He is someone to keep your eye on in the 2024 draft class, a late round flyer. Speedy guy, not the biggest. I think he's like 5'10, a buck 60, soaking wet. So he can absolutely fly and get downfield. Pretty good hands. But just another name to throw in your bucket and watch throughout the draft process. The NFL is going to love him with the versatility he has, being fast, being able to run a lot of routes. Could also be a return guy. That's always a plus to make an NFL team. And then on the other side, Liberty. I was extremely, extremely excited to watch Caden Salter, former Tennessee quarterback that never actually played at Tennessee before transferring. 
sorely disappointed me. 126 for a touchdown and a pick through the air and 25 yards on the ground. After this game, he did hit the transfer portal. I believe he has two years of eligibility eligibility remaining. So hopefully he will land in a bigger spot for him. Hopefully a Power 5 team maybe might be someone to watch in that 25 class. No, I'm right there. Uh, same thing right there with you. Um, Caden Salter, like you said, um, good on him for transferring. Go somewhere where we actually maybe win a game, you know, finish the season undefeated. Um, I really don't have a whole heck of a lot more to say on Oregon, brother. I mean, it was just a, just a butt beating, man. Um, yeah. We'll move on to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Michigan took down the Alabama Crimson Tide 27-20 in overtime. Jim Harbaugh beats the great GOAT Nick Saban. This was a hell of a ball game, man. One of the best games we've seen all season without a doubt. Really a defensive battle. A good old school classic defensive game. Both defenses showed up to play. Offenses struggled. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was nerve-wracking. Lots of anxiety, but Michigan finally got over that hump and won a big game. I mean, again, you hit the nail on the head, brother. Uh, both teams' defenses showed up to play. Uh, I will say Michigan's defense in the first half was absolutely stifling. They managed to sack uh, Jalen Milrow five times. I mean, they just they absolutely balled out. Um, to me, really, the only facet of the game, like Michigan's the better team. They played better at basically every facet of the game except for special teams. It's crazy you guys even came away with the victory with the way the special teams play was. I mean, normally a Nick Saban coach team, you know, special teams, if if, if they're doing better special teams-wise, they're not going to lose the game. Um, Michigan's defense is, is legitimately scary. Uh, your guys' defensive line is the best in the country, and it's not really got any particular superstar. It's just all of them are freaking good. I mean, I, they I'm giving Michigan – I'm giving you guys very high praises, and it hurts because obviously I bleed scarlet and gray, but, man, you guys – you and I said it at the beginning of the season, Michigan's a championship-caliber team, and what they put out there against Bama shows that, like, irrevocably. I mean, J.J. McCarthy, to me, outshined J. Uh, Milrow easily, you know, he looked like he got banged up on the one play and then came back and, and still looked great. I mean, the, you guys are just hard nosed, tough. Everybody's there. They're playing for each other. You guys are good. Scary. Good. The best damn team in the land. If I must say so myself. Yeah. I'm but, with you. I, I was a little bit surprised that we got to Milrow so easily. He was yeah. not climbing the pocket very well in that first quarter. He was just just patting the ball. He he wasn't really getting outside the tackles. And of course, they made the adjustments. He did get loose a handful of times, but he couldn't really throw the ball for much. 116 yards on 16 completions. He had 21 rush attempts compared to 23 pass attempts. Wide receivers couldn't do nothing. Isaiah Bond could not break a long one. Neither could Jermaine Burton. The DBs definitely locked them up. Did an excellent job be seen between Josh Wallace, Will Johnson, Mike Resainer still. All around the defense showed up, every single level. It was damn near the perfect game on defense. And the offense, everyone's going to shit on the Michigan offense. J.J. McCarthy didn't do this, he didn't do that. He threw 221 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. Although the very first play could have been interception. Thankfully, freshman Caleb Downs made a freshman mistake stepping out of bounds before he caught the ball. So that was a lifesaver early on. But other than that, Blake Horn, man, 19 carries for 83 and that big touchdown overtime. He just, he wasn't going down for nothing. He was getting that ball across the end zone and that was, that was the end of it. Yeah, it reminded me of that Ezekiel Elliott run against Oregon. You know what I mean? The, the touchdown run, same thing. What wasn't going down. Um, outside of special teams, you guys played a perfect game, man. Uh, Mikey Sanders had the strip fumble or strip on Jalen Milrow. Defense at every level stepped up. Offense stepped up when it needed to. I 
I really can't complain about anything either offense or defense did for you guys. It's to me, it was special teams, and that's fixable. So, and how about I, that I, I can't play calling? Yeah, they pulled out everything. I think that so was the one I was talking about. It was uh, when when JJ got you know dinged up a little bit. It was on that. So uh, that pass back to the yeah. yeah, that pass back to the quarterback, and then he hit. Was it Roman Wilson downfield? I yeah, think he threw a beautiful pass off balance. Down he caught put him on the ground, literally in double, the ground. He caught that double pass one handed. I mean, I mean, it, I've never seen Harbaugh pull trick plays out like that. It, the fake punts, fake field goals, sure, I've seen plenty of those from Harbaugh, but the on the offense, I mean, normally uh, when you say trick plays, we think of Harbaugh, you think of like. Nine linemen, right? You know, line line of create. You know, you, you know you're going to run the ball. Not, not that. That he was in his bag. That was. It was nice to see, man. It was lovely. They've been waiting all season to pull things out like that, and and a lot of people are like, "Where was this all year?" They didn't need it. They could you run know, the ball down your throat all game if that's all you need to do. Why are you going to show any other teams anything in your playbook whatsoever? You could like that. And you hit the absolutely again, hit the nail on the head. Why would you show that earlier in the season at all against, frankly, nobody? I mm-hmm. mean, if you were gonna if you were gonna break that out, I maybe could get it against Ohio State. But at that point, you guys knew you were the better team. There's there's no sense in, in busting it out until you you're playing in the college football playoffs. I mean, it's the same thing. We see it all the time. You know, like Boise State years ago when they did the hook and ladder, and then they did the Statue of Liberty play. They they broke that out in the bowl game. You know, Ohio State against Bama in fourteen with the Evan Spencer. Uh, wide receiver reverse touchdown pass to Michael Thomas. I, you don't let out the cat out of the bag in games that don't matter. So I'm, I'm glad you guys held it in all season and opened it up this week. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you roll something up even further up your sleeves against Washington. Oh, I, there's more back there. There is more. They didn't show everything. Alex Orgy could still get more involved, which I hope. Orgy in the end zone. J.J. McCarthy, man. 26 and 1 as a starter. He is now tied Jameis Winston for the third best winning percentage of all time. And when I say all time, that means all time ever since college football has begun. The 150 plus years of history, JJ McCarthy is third on the list for winning percentage. He's a gamer. He's a baller. He that's what he does. He wins games. I don't feel like he is gotten the respect that he has deserved. Um, obviously, you're high on him. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Michigan bias, maybe not. I'm also very high on him, but I just – I don't feel like – he's not getting the the love he deserves, and if he has, it's just recently. You know, people mm-hmm. saw some of the throws he made against Ohio State, some of the throws he's made um, in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, NFL-caliber throws, but we've seen it all year. We knew it when he was coming into Michigan. It was just – he didn't get to put it on display. Um, I just – this guy's going to be a sneaky NFL guy, in my opinion. He, he's got all the tools in the toolbox, brother. We say it all the time. This guy's truly got every single one. Oh, he does, and he might just be coming back for a fourth year. I'd be scared if, no, he, no. I, if he does. I'm scared because, well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we mentioned Blake Corum on the ground, but he also did have 35 receiving yards and a touchdown. He was – the main cog of this offense, and that's the way it should be. He sits atop a bunch of Michigan records, including rushing touchdowns all time. He is rising up a lot of people's uh, rookie rankings. Brother, I've said this since in the preseason. I had him as my wide receiver or my uh, running back one in 24 class preseason. I truthfully and honestly did. I've come back down to reality a little bit, but he's still up there. It's, it's hard not to be well, consistent. You know what you're going to get from him. Tough, hard nosed. He can. He has great vision. Excellent. He showed his ability, his agility on that overtime run. The beautiful jump cut to get to the outside. Still followed his blockers. Got even more outside. Broke some tackles. Great contact balance. He shown, and he showed on the receiving touchdown and the big other receiving play. He can get out there and he can run. I mean, we don't see the NFL picking these uh, true three-down backs anymore, but Blake Corum is a true th- uh, three-down back. He can do it all. He can pass pro. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He can run outside tackles. He can run between the tackles. He can do everything. And to me, that's why why I loved him. 
you know, people were, I guess, upset he came back. Dude, to me, his draft stock has shot up so much in the last month. It's, I'm glad and he came back. Coming into Michigan, according to 24-7 Sports, because they how they have, you know, pocket passers, dual threat for quarterbacks, they had introduced all-purpose backs, you the know, APB. the versatile guys. That's where Blake Corum was categorized and ranked as an all-purpose back coming into Michigan. And we got to see it on display against Alabama, and hopefully we'll get to see it on display in the national championship. And speaking of that, another excellent ball game. This has probably been the best college football playoff we've ever had in terms of competitive games on the field. Texas-Washington, Washington hang on, hung on by the skin of their teeth, 37-31. This was a fun one, man. Back and forth, of course, lots more scoring. You could have seen that one coming into this one. And they did hit the uh, over that was set at 63 or 64 and a half. Much to my chagrin, I lost all those bets. I just didn't see it happening. And Michael Penix Jr., man, talk about increasing your draft stock. 430 yards and two touchdowns against this I believe top five, top 10 Texas defense. And he also got out and was scooting on the ground a little bit. 31 rush yards with a long of 13. He showed he can actually still run without popping an ACL. So that was great to see. Uh, man, I honestly, this Washington, I mean, we know this Washington offense is powerful, but they've been up and down a lot this year. Uh, it seems like they've played down to their opponents at times. Man, this Washington offense looks like they could really do no wrong. I mean, like you said, Penix had 430 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, wasn't sacked once, had 30 rushing yards. I mean, Michael Penix might have maybe should have won the Heisman. I don't know. I, I saw this video of um, Michael Penix. It was flipped in her, like the, it was mirrored. So he was throwing right handed. And, when 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 you look at it that way, it, the way he throws the ball, I mean, it's so technically sound, so beautiful, so quick, fast release. I mean, I, I think you'd be dumb not to draft him highly next year at this upcoming draft. I I would be surprised if he wouldn't have topped in pick. Absolutely surprised. Well, I've said it before on this show that he is the best pure passer and thrower of the football in college. Great mechanics. Technique, like you said, gets it out quick. He's a ball placement specialist, pinpoint yes. accuracy. An NFL team's going to fall in love with him. They're going to draft him to be the guy probably right off the bat. Yeah. Selfishly, fantasy-wise, I'm hoping he goes to, say, Minnesota with Jay Jettas and Jordan Addison, TJ Hawk, when he gets back healthy. That would be a beautiful situation for him to walk into, but he's going to be a top 15 pick, I think, at worst. Yeah, I, yeah, I think at worst he's top 15. I, I, if, I mean, like I said, I think he's top 10, to be honest. Um, I've seen a lot of people talk to these, um, like, pinpoint accurate, like Tua, but with a way bigger arm, and it's, it's freaking true, man. The guy can throw the ball 60-plus yards down the field with ease. I mean – I think Michael Penix, I get that he's a little older because what he's like in his fifth or sixth year of college football, but uh, this kid's a stud, absolute stud. I, I I think Minnesota would be a great landing spot. All those weapons and not necessarily having to play out in the cold that much, that'd be great. Yeah, get away from the great Northwest precipitation, all the cold chills up there. That would be awesome for him to play in a dome. It. It's going to be fun to watch him against this Michigan defense. Texas is good. Michigan is better. Michigan is elite on defense at every level. It's going to be a tough test for him. I I, I 100% um, agree with you. I, I know I said last week that Alabama was was like your true test. If Washington plays like they did against Texas, that's going to be tough. Because Washington at the skill position, like out wide, is three times what Bama is. I mean, you can get hurt by any of the guys that Penix can throw the ball to. And all the reasons we just listed about Penix, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Milrow too. I think he's going to take huge steps going into next year. Uh, Penix is a better quarterback. 
And we'll get into the preview of the national championship here in a little bit after this one. Dylan Johnson, only 49 rush yards, two touchdowns, though. He did get hurt on one of the last plays of the game, so we will see his status heading into Monday night. Roman Dunze, 125 yards. Jalen Polk, 122 and a touchdown. And Jalen McMillan, 58 and a touchdown. And little-known tight end Jack Westover, 59 yards. He spread the ball around to absolutely anybody and everybody. He just couldn't be stopped, man. And flipping it to the Texas side, Quinn Ewers played a good game too. Three for, sorry, 318 pass yards and a touchdown. He also had 54 rush yards. He took off and was gallivanting out there in the open field a couple of times showing off those wheels. So it was great to see the total package from him in this game as well. C.J. Baxter, true freshman running back, we were both extremely high on. He only had nine carries, along with Jadon Blue. He had 64 in a touchdown. Jadon had 59 in a touchdown. So the ground game was, it was working, but they, you know, they were behind in the in the beginning. They had to play catch up the whole game, so they felt the need to continue to throw the ball. Unfortunately, they couldn't do the ground to pound that we've seen so many times before from Coach Sarkeesian. And Jatavion Sanders, the leading receiver for receptions and yards, six receptions for 75 yards. Xavier Worthy didn't really, he couldn't get going, man. He couldn't take the top off the defense like he normally does for a touchdown. Two for 45 with a long of 38. And your boy, always been high on him for whatever reason, Denny Mitchell showed up at a big ball game and caught a touchdown. That's just what he does. It's what he does. Could have caught the game-tying touchdown in the end, but it was slapped away from him. Unfortunate for them. Yeah, that was – I mean, there's no way he catches that ball. That is excellent defense. I mean, there's no way. That was a great play. This was, like I said, another really, really good football game, man. Washington got out early on him, and they just kept pacing him. It was their game to lose, and they almost – handed it to Texas in the end with questionable play calling, clock management. They could have probably yeah, just kneeled the ball and got out of there. No, absolutely. I mean, there's questionable play calling on both sides. I mean, it's kind of the same thing when Texas threw that little uh, pop pass to the running back with 20, 30 seconds left. I mean, brother, you can't do that. That's To me, that's that's just stupid. I, they're, they're college coaches. They know a lot more than I do. They make a lot more money blah 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 but i mean the play calling was not good this was a great game man I, i'm with you I, I if texas could have got a couple you know defense could have got a couple more stops i think this would have went differently um like you said playing catch up pretty much the whole game and washington was keeping pace with them never could have got the ground game running if that defense could have got you know two or three stops that's two stops and get the ground game going i think texas walks away with this game easily yeah that was really the the story of the game, they they couldn't play the Texas football they wanted. Yeah, they they didn't set the pace, they didn't set the tone. Washington did, and that's exactly how it went all ball game. Mm-hmm. So we'll go ahead and get on with it now. Look ahead to the national championship Monday night from Houston. Michigan is favored by four and a half currently, and over under of fifty six and a half. According to ESPN Analytics, Michigan has a 74.3% win, I don't know, predicted win percentage for this game, if that's what you want to call it. So ESPN Analytics Department think Michigan has this one? I think so too, of course. Especially being favored by four and a half, that's a little bit surprising. The over-under, I got total confidence in this defense, man. The key thing that you said was Michael Penix was not sacked at all by Texas. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case with Michigan. If Jalen Milrow could not get away from them when they push that big offensive line back, I don't think Michael Penix can do it. Although Washington did take Michigan's award from them. The Joe Moore offensive line award winner goes to the best offensive line in college football. That went to the Washington Huskies this year. So it's going to be a battle of the trenches for sure, both ways. I mean, 
you and I have preached this for years. It's it's always one of the trenches. The big uglies take to the promised land. I it's gonna happen this game. You know, like you just said, whoever wins the trenches is gonna win the war. I, I get like you said, Washington won the best O line of the year, but Michigan's D line is just as good, my as a, as a collective. You know, again, there's not like that standout one star guy. It's the whole line, the whole defense. Um, I don't think Washington is going to be able to disrupt. Uh, Washington's defensive line is going to be able to disrupt Michigan's offensive line. You know, I I, I don't see it happening, man. Uh, four and a half that to me is is quite a bit. That's that's a big spread. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm rocking with Michigan for sure. And 56 on the uh, total points. I mean, that, that's a lot of points, man. I could see this game being fairly similar points-wise as the game Michigan just played against Bamba. You know, 27-20, something very similar. I, I think Washington is going to score a couple points, but it's not going to be enough. Yeah, that's where I'm at on that over-under. I I don't see them doing what they did to Texas in their defense. No, so they got no pressure. Yeah. Michigan's defense is the opposite of that. Well, that and I also think that Michigan's uh, secondary is uh, quite a bit better than Texas's. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm i not going to say that you guys are going to be able to shut down all three because that's a huge task. One of them is going to have a game. I just think it's going to be the least likely of the three. I think it's going to be uh, McMillan, but we'll see. Yeah, depending on where he takes most of his snaps. You know, Mike, Mikey, Mikey Sane is probably the best slot corner in the nation. So depending on who's in the slot, they're going to draw the second best corner on Michigan. It might be whoever draws the assignment from Josh Wallace, the transfer. Well, might be Jalen Polk. I mean, he's had big games before. He had another one with 122 yards against Texas. But I don't think it's going to be a Dunze. He's going to have fun with Will Johnson on the other side. He's big. He's physical. It's going to be fun watching those two go at it all ball game. I mean, we saw what Will Johnson did against the best college football wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. I love a Dunze, but I think a Dunze gets shut down. Um, I mean, he might get a couple catches, but I, I, I'm going to stick with my McMillan pick, but one of the two that we just mentioned is going to is going to have a game. I mean, they're going to get 100 yards, but that's yeah, it. I think this is going to be a Blake Corum game, to be honest. I think he's going yeah. to get the ball 18 to 22, 23 times. He's going to hit 100-plus rush yards, find that end zone multiple times like he does just about every week this year. I Michigan's, think it's going to be on his shoulders. Yeah, Michigan's going to do what Texas wanted to do but couldn't. This is going to be played at Michigan's speed, their pace, they're going to control the clock and bleed it out. It's how Michigan's won most of their games all year. And we've seen Michael Penix can turn the ball over at times. We've yes. seen it against way worse defenses than Michigan. I won't be surprised if he throws a pick or two. Yeah. Uh, with the way I think the game's going to go, I think he does because he's going to try and force stuff to happen. Yeah. You know, he yeah. kind of he kind of had the – he was more lax against Texas because it was – not saying the game wasn't in doubt, but they, they were in the lead. You can be a little more lax, uh, make a little bit oh, yeah, of pros. Third quarter and fourth quarter play calling on offense, they were out there just having fun, BSing around, throwing it around the yard when they didn't need to. But I I think we're going to see kind of what we did against Ohio State, not this year, but last year. The Colston Loveland touchdown, wide open, down streaking down the field. I think we're going to see something like that for the Michigan offense. Blake Corm's going to set that tone. They're going to key in on him, and somebody's going to leak out one or two times for a, a big bomb that's really going to hopefully put the game away or put Michigan out ahead. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth with that one. You know, Corum's going to eat him up in the first half and, you know, midway through the third. Um, you know, you're going to be on your own 40, and it's going to be, you know, an eye formation play action and – hit Roman Wilson down the sideline for a bomb or, or Loveland. Some, somebody's going to be open. I, I, I 100% agree with you. They're going to stack the box and get burnt deep. And you can't forget about Roman Wilson either. He's got the big playability. And we saw the freshman or 
yeah, I believe he's a freshman or sophomore, Tyler Morris on that big touchdown down the sideline. He has the big playability. Uh, Samaj, Samaj Morgan, the true freshman slot guy, he's got the big playability as well. I just think that's going to happen. They're going to key yeah. in on Blake Horm or Donovan Edwards, whoever's back there on that play, and it's just going to – somebody's just going to trot downfield and be wide open, and J.J.'s going to see him. Yeah, but I, it's going to be a good game. Like you said earlier, I'm probably taking this 31-24 Michigan. Yeah. No, I'm I'm 28-21, I'm 28-24. I mean, I'm right in the same ball. It's going to be somewhere between the Alabama game and the score you just said. It's going to be a one-score mm-hmm. game, a one-touchdown game. I'm hoping we don't have to settle for a field goal. I'm hoping you know, PAT was messed up against Bama, missed a field goal. I think we're going to be more, more lenient towards all right, fourth and two, fourth and three. Let's go for it. It's third and seven. Let's play a four down, a four down possession. We're going to try to get five yards, make it fourth and short, and go for it. Hopefully, a little bit more aggressive in that sense. But yeah, it's going I'm, to be a fun one. I can't wait for it, man. I'm right there with you. I mean, again, I believe Scarlet and Gray. Um, but I, man, I, I'm, I'm on the Michigan bandwagon on this one. You know, just for this one game, uh, Big Ten solidarity. I, I will backtrack just a second. If if I'm Michigan and it's anything further than like a forty yard field goal, I'm going for it. If it's if it's close. Um, oh yeah. And then I, one more thing. Um, this is obviously could be the first Big Ten national championship since Ohio State, and I believe this could be the first Pac-12 champion. In the college football era, Oregon yeah. when did yeah. they playoff era? Yeah. So, one of these two. Well, I mean, Pac-12 is pretty well gone. Wouldn't that be crazy? The Pac-12 champ, the last year basically of the Pac-12 existence. That'd be. That'd be and nice. the Pac-12s had a great year. Too bad every year wasn't like this for them. They might still be around. But either, oh, yeah. either way, the next year, the national champion will reside in the Big Ten. That's right. Darn skippy, brother. That's right. I, I think Michigan, though. This, I'm excited for this game, man. I, I can't wait for it. Monday at 7.30 Eastern time. Yeah, I'm glad it's a little bit earlier for us. Not the good old 8.30, 8.45 kickoff time. Oh, you're telling me. I mean, a, you know, little rabbit hole here. But that Texas-Washington game, man, I was up late watching that. That was that was late. Yeah, because it didn't start till what after nine, I think, or close to it, our time, Eastern time. Yeah, I mean, I, it was well after midnight when the game ended. I was tired at work the next day. That's another thing. If you're having a late late game like that, I mean, make it on a front a weekend, something. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for play it on Saturday. Yeah, you know, don't put it on Monday. It's not the NFL. Play it on Saturday. It's college football. It's That's college football, it and it's and it's one of the last three games of the season, man. You know, you could do it on the the semis on Saturday, and then the national championship the following Saturday. Exactly. Make, make it easy. Keep it simple. We'll move on and close the book on that, and head over to the good old transfer portal. It was a pretty decent week for that. Uh, DJU commits to Florida State, so they get their big time quarterback to hopefully lead them to another undefeated season. So great get for them. K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas lands at UCF. Pretty interesting there. I'm expecting him to have a big season statistic-wise. Maybe a sleeper to keep in mind for the 25 quarterback class with how wide open that is. He was a sleeper for the 24 class, the 23 class. So why wouldn't he be for the 25 class? Right. And this one was a little bit interesting. Nobody, uh, probably absolutely no one knows him. Jaden Richardson, wide receiver, transferring from Division Three Tufts University, is heading up to USC. So from D3 to SC, baby. That's a big jump. I've been watching a little bit of him, and he's a 6'2", around 210. Plays bigger than his size, a big body, possession type of receiver, but he has a little bit of wheels on him. Uh, last Last two seasons, he's had 20 receiving touchdowns and what was it? Almost 1,600 yards in the last two years at Tufts. 
I'm not saying pick him up in Debbie, but you never know what Lincoln Riley can do. You also got to keep in mind Mario Williams and Dorian Singer both hit the transfer portal. Taj Washington will be gone as well as Brendan Rice. So you're looking at at the moment, other than any other transfers they may bring in at the position, Makai Lemon, Zachariah Branch, Deuce Robinson. I can't remember the other two freshman names, but they played well this year. So you never know. There's a reason he's going from D3 to SC. We just don't know yet. Yeah, there's a reason Lincoln Riley, you know, extended that offer. Um, the opportunity is there for sure. I don't know. I uh, really haven't seen any any tape of him, but definitely there's not to. much out there. Not much out there. I'm, I'm going to have to see if I can scrounge up something because if he going to USC, something Lincoln Riley's got something up his sleeve. Absolutely. Probably the NFL, but we'll see. And then your your squad, the Buckeyes, you guys got that big time transfer quarterback. You got the fans have all been talking about for a month. Will Howard from Kansas State. No USC for him. He's going to OSU. What do you think about that one? Give me your initial thoughts. How you feel him running the offense compared to Kyle McCord? I, I will say I do like him better than McCord. Uh, absolutely. He was a very serviceable, serviceable quarterback for, for Kansas uh, state. Um, I'm not going to say you're saying I'm a huge fan, but he does have some dual threat ability. Um, I, I don't love it. But I don't know if I hate it, um, but it's, it's better than what we've got for sure. You know, I, I was a big Devin Brown guy. Um, you know, but the whole injuries and all that, I'm not sure how I feel on Devin Brown. I, I am a Lincoln Kineholz fan. Um, I will say that, but he obviously wasn't prepared for this bowl game. So I think there's definitely going to be a QB competition next year. But with Will Howard coming in, I think he is, you know, the obviously the odds on favorite to be the starter. Um, to be honest, I see this as a bridge quarterback. He's got one year of college eligibility due to the COVID-19 season. Um, and then after that, it'll be Aaron Nolan time, baby. So I, I just think this is a bridge QB thing. I'm not mad at it. Um, you look at the weapons Ohio State has at wide wide receiver. I mean, he's better than Kyle McCord, and Kyle McCord stat-wise had a decent season last year. I mean, shoot, we were undefeated going to the Michigan game. And I think that we're maintaining most of our defense. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, too, he did lead K-State to the 2002 Big 12 title. So yeah, he is a proven winner. Yeah. But not the Cam Ward, not the Dante Moore, Malachi Nelson that a lot of people were hoping for. It's just good old Will Howard, all reliable, apparently. Yeah. I, I mean, this to me, I basically just said it screams bridge quarterback. You know, it's it's a guy that's going to come in, be serviceable for a year, probably raises his draft stock a, a fair bit. Um, but long term aspirations, it's it, this, it, he's not it. You know what I mean? So well, he's there to keep Ryan Day around for another year, hopefully beat Michigan, win another 10, 11 games. He's there to manage. That's about yes. it. Yeah. And on to some other entrants. Uh, Shaz Preston, former four-star, maybe five-star, depending on where you're looking. Wide receiver at Bama has hit the portal. And the big one that came as a shock to everyone, myself included, 2025 running back one Quinchon Judkins hit the portal out of Ole Miss. He had 30 plus carries against Penn State in their bowl game. Somebody's going to open up their wallet for him. Been seeing a lot of rumors, speculation that it was a quote unquote mutual split between him and Ole Miss. Uh, supposedly, when the news came out, Lane Kiffin was out there fishing. He made a tweet about catch and release. Uh, Jackson Dart shared some kind of video on, I believe it was Instagram, about selfish people. So a lot of people think that Quinshawn Jenkins is not a great teammate. He was supposedly yelling at offensive linemen for not doing well and blocking good enough. But if that's the case, who the hell doesn't yell at teammates, get your head out of your ass, blah, 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 do better. Who knows if it's true or not, but somebody's going to open up that wallet and they're going to get a damn good player. Yeah, I mean, exactly like you said, this, uh, I mean, I was 
starstruck when I heard this come out. You know, I, I didn't anticipate this at all. You know, like we mentioned in the past, Jackson Arnold's going to be there next year. They retained a lot of guys, and I thought Ole Miss might be a, you know, like a dark horse SEC contender next year. Um, not saying they still can't be, but this is a huge wrench in that in that plan. Um, oh, I'm saying it. I don't. You're think saying it. I was yeah, saying I'm, a couple weeks ago they're going to the playoff next year. Not without Judkins. I don't believe so. He has. Let, let me. I don't have his stats pulled up, but through two years, it is just absolutely stunning the stats he has put up so far. And to lose that, especially this late in the process, I don't recall who else is on the roster at the moment for running back. I know freshman, I believe it is Kendrick Rusko, very highly talented freshman there. But you can't replace Juckins, man. Over 2,700 yards, over 30 touchdowns on the ground through two years. He's three, carried three, the ball. three through the air, 300 on the in the air. I mean, he's yeah, he's carried the ball 540 times, 45 times for them. I just this offense is gonna look a little bit different without that big threat back there. And I just I can't wait to see where he lands. Hopefully, he uh heads up north to the great Midwest, Michigan. You never know. Blake Corm's definitely gone, I, I believe. Donovan Edwards. Who knows? I mean, Blake, it's, I mean, does Blake? If Blake Corum were to stay, does he have one year left because of COVID? Oh, that? I'm looking now. I mm, let's see. I believe so. Yeah, this is his fourth year. He came in in 2020, so he has the COVID year to use. Who knows if he does or if he doesn't? But if he doesn't, I would love to see Jukins head up to Michigan. I mean, if Michigan wins Perfect. it, I. Yeah, if Michigan wins it, I would I would not be surprised. Um, but I think that him coming to Michigan would rely heavily on if JJ goes or stays. I mean, why? He wasn't playing with the best quarterback in Jackson Darden, anyways. Well, I think for him to leave and go to Michigan, he'd want to win a championship. I would assume. I th- I would assume he's leaving to go get a chip. Well, so. hey, if we're speaking in you know consensus narrative, we don't have a quarterback anyway, so it, it don't matter. Well, the consensus is not always right, my friend. You're not wrong. And they are wrong. And some other updates. Cameron Ward, number one quarterback in the transfer portal, is going to the NFL draft. Decided to hit the pros over going to Miami. Must have decided that day three, maybe day two money, was better than what Miami had to offer. So that is surprising, and I don't like it. I think he could have used his extra year, went into the wide-open 2025 class, and really, really raised the draft stock to be a first-round pick. Now now we'll see if someone takes a chance, and hopefully round three, he can be a day-two pick. I mean, I, I always want you know guys to go out there and get NFL money, but the type of money that I feel like Cam Ward could have gotten in one one year NIL deal wise, um, I I think this is dumb. I don't think this is a, a very smart move. I, I I respect the whole betting on yourself, but um, you know if if he went to Miami, he would have he would have definitely gotten a bag. I mean, he could have went anywhere and, and gotten paid more than what he's going to make on a you know day two day three pick in the NFL. I hope it doesn't bite him in the ass when it's all said and done. But to me, I I, I think he made the wrong move. I, I don't like Miami. I don't think it's I don't necessarily think that would have been the, the best school to go to, but that, to me that was better than the NFL for sure. He could have went about anywhere and been better than the NFL, you know, for one more year. Yeah, I'd say so, unless he's gotten some better grades that we are expecting or something like that. We will see. I think he's going to test well athletically. Yeah. He's going to be. He's going to look great out there throwing against no defense. So maybe he'll raise raise his draft stock. I don't think he's going to any kind of All Star game. I think the Senior Bowl is set on their quarterbacks. Maybe the Shrine Game. Who knows? There's two others out there. Hopefully, we'll see him pop up at something. But Malachi Nelson. A lot of people are not. 
I guess, too high on him at the moment. He is visiting Boise State as his first official visit. So uh, very underwhelming to a lot of people, but we talked about this, that we don't foresee him going to another Power 5 school or another big school, and Boise State fits what we were thinking. A new head coach, Taylor Green's out, played with Ashton Genty. Running away from competition. I mean, uh, Kyle McCord, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 you know, I coming into last year, I was a huge Malachi Nelson fan. Um, obviously, some things have come out from, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley or his coaching staff that he wasn't very good at USC in practice. Um, so, I mean, Boise State makes sense, man. You know, Boise State, we all know Boise State I mentioned it earlier. The, uh, I think it was a Fiesta Bowl against uh, Oklahoma, the hook and ladder and the Statue of Liberty play. But Boise State hasn't been quite the same the last couple of years. You know, maybe Malachi Nelson can bring some magic back to the blue field. We'll see. Um, but yeah, this 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 makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see where he ultimately ends up, but there are really no big eye-popping schools on his list of what people think he's looking at. So we'll see. We will see. And we'll move on to what we've done the last few weeks, giving you a top five peek into our rankings. This week, we're going to look even further ahead into the 2026 class, take a look at our quarterbacks and running backs. And I'll go ahead and let you kick this one off with whichever one you like. Dealer's choice. Buddy, you know I'm going to talk about quarterbacks first. I've, I've got to. Um. I might as well start at the top. Number one should be no surprise to anybody who's listened to us for any extended amount of time. Uh, Dante Moore, still a huge Dante Moore fan. Um, I think he's got a great shoulder on his heads, and he can, to me, uh, make every single throw. And wait, wait, take... wait a minute. He's got a great shoulders on his heads. Sorry, head on his shoulders. I said that backwards. What hmm. I what I mean by that is realizing he's not ready. Going to go sit a year behind. Um, shoot, Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel out at, out at Oregon. So it, 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 it all makes sense. Huge Dante Moore person. Number two, we've got Jackson Arnold. I don't think that should be a surprise with the way he's played lately. You know, I, I think he's the absolute truth as well, man. Number three, we just saw him. We talked about him today. Nico Lamalamaliva. I think this is the top three I said last week as well. Not, not a whole lot to talk about. Number four. Aiden Giles. Number five, Jaden Rashada. Number six, Arch Manning. I know we only do five. Honorable mention, I guess, Arch Manning. Well, then, that's uh, that's interesting compared to my list. So I will start at the bottom. I also have Jaden Rashada, number five. Arch Manning would be number six. So no Malachi Nelson whatsoever. Uh, Dante Moore. Number four, that's uh, mostly attributed to he is more than likely going to sit for a year and the other guys ahead of him are going to be starters. Jackson Arnold, number three. Aiden Childs, number two. And newly crowned number one quarterback, Nico Amalamaliva. Uh, mm, I told you he impressed me. I can see that Damn with it. the way way you changed your mind. Yeah, uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. We saw a little bit of Aiden Childs. He's going to be playing in the same style of offense, same head coach. I, Jackson Arnold, I think he's going to be like an un, the underrated guy in this class. Yeah, he, he already, he already tools is. Toolbox. I feel like but, he already is. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people throughout the season coming in, he was top five overall for Debbie. Sight unseen in the, in college besides the spring game. So that's where I'm at. Nico, Childs, Arnold, Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada. Hopefully he'll reclaim his starting spot at Arizona State. And then Arch Manning. Because why not? You know, at this point I'm higher on him than I am Malachi Nelson, Lenore Sellers out of South Carolina. He might not be as bad as we think, but... Probably have to wait another year to see. 
That's the unfortunate I mean, thing with him. And that's the yeah, you same exact reason for Arch Manning. He's kind of number six or honorable mention, kind of just de facto. Uh, you know, was the number one overall QB recruit by any platform you looked at. The biggest knock on him is Quinn Ewers coming back another year. So, you know, we'll remain to be seen. Maybe we'll see him a little bit next year, but you know, the the I'm still out on him a little bit. Yeah. And we'll move on to the running backs. I'll go ahead and kick this off at number five. I got Mark Fletcher out of Miami. Cameron Selden from Tennessee, number four. And Darius Taylor from Minnesota, number three. He came back in the bowl game finally and did what he's done pretty much every game but one. Drop 100-plus yards on the ground. Very consistent. Number two, Justice Haynes from Alabama. And number one. Of course, Cedric Baxter Jr. out of Texas. So Baxter, Haynes, Taylor, Selden, Mark Fletcher to round out my top five. Honorable Brother, mention would be Ruben Owens out of Texas A&M. Did you look at my notes on my phone? Uh, yeah, it's hanging up there in the background. I mean, we have the same top five. Our honorable mention is going to be different, but I think you're going to like mine. Number one, I've got Justice Hayes. Number two, Cedric Baxter. Number three, Darius Taylor. Four, Mark Fletcher. And then Cam Seldon at number five. Honorable mention is Cole Cabana. I love Cole Cabana, man, but uh, Benjamin Hall really showed out in the spring game, and it's kind of made me weary that they're going to lean in his favor because he was there early this year, and he went out there and played very well. Cole Cabana was not on campus as of yet. So we'll see what that backfield looks like. And, of course, depending on what Corm and Edwards do, it remains to be seen. But it absolutely loaded in the backfield. Can't forget about Kalel Mullins either. Right. I just I personally like Cole Cabana over the other two. He's he's my personal favorite. Um, if he doesn't get the playing time, won't be the first time I've been wrong. You know, I felt the same way about Jadon Blue last year before Cedric Baxter. But, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, and then if I was to go another honorable mention, it would be Ruben Owens. He was right on the cusp of Cole Cabana. I just want to toss some Michigan out there, I guess. Hey, you can never go wrong with a Michigan running back, can you? I don't think so. It's just picking the right guy. Um, yeah, there's always many options. The good thing about Ruben Owens is he's played a lot better since they got rid of Jimbo. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun watching these 26 guys come into the second season. A lot of them have played. Uh, Justice Haynes should play more. Jace McClellan, who had two touchdowns against Michigan and 87 yards, could be going to the NFL. I saw earlier today Roy Dell Williams is hitting the transfer portal. So going to open up some carries and on the pecking order as well. Justice Haynes also played pretty well against Michigan. He looked very good. Yeah. And can't forget about fellow freshman Richard Young, another big-time recruit, is also there with him. But it's going to be fun watching you know, these 14, 15 guys we named progress from their first year in college, see how much different they look, how much better they are. And the big thing is to get more opportunities. That's what we want to see out of them. That's, that's the big thing. Most of these guys we mentioned are uh, kind of the projected starters next year. So. You know, as, as that opportunity increases, do they produce like we think they will? Yeah, it's going to be fun. And, again, can't wait for the national championship game Monday. We'll see you guys again next week with a recap of that, some more rankings. Hopefully we get some more NFL draft declares, some more commits out of the transfer portal. I believe it is now technically closed. But, of course, if they filed their paperwork or whatnot before the deadline, we could still see some other guys – in the news trickling out over the next couple of days about being in the portal, but pretty much who's in is who's in at the moment. So hopefully we see some more commits coming down the pipeline as we see more declares for the draft. That'll be exciting to see some more player movement, but of course, give us all a follow on Twitter, please at Gump seven, two, eight, five D underscore cook nine, three Destin at destination Debbie and at gridiron underscore FS and check out my latest Debbie by article on the website at destinationdebbie.com, taking a look at three of my top targets for the 2026 class heading into the offseason. I'm looking to scoop up early before the prices spike on them. 
So appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you again next week. Hopefully calling the Michigan Wolverines national champions and go blue. See you. Thanks for listening.